Hello and welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I am so glad you are listening today. I really do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to spend it listening to this podcast. Each episode this season, we've looked at ancient contemplative spiritual practices that we hope will transform our lives today. Uh, It's my hope that our uh, faith will be uh, restored, our souls can be healed, um, and these can be become habits uh, that continue to change our life in the future. So we've talked about silence and solitude and centering prayer, breath prayer, journaling and Lexio Divina. Uh, and many of these practices, as we've been talking about, uh, build on one another. And they are all leading us into a mystical, mysterious, contemplative spirituality of all awesomeness. We're all becoming a little more like Thomas Merton. I can just feel it now. But again, it's my hope that these ancient practices have started a good work in you, Uh, one that is reviving your faith, one that is hopefully healing your soul, and one that is leading you into greater peace, greater calm, and greater happiness. Today on our eighth episode, I want to share with you about fixed hour prayer and liturgy. Now, this is an absolutely essential and foundational practice in the history of the Christian church. Uh, Now, similar practices are found in many other religions, but fixed hour prayer and liturgy, especially to uh, evangelical Christians and and many Protestants, uh, fixed hour prayer and liturgy are a bit foreign. And for some of these traditions, such prayer and practice is actually deemed rote, uh, too traditional, and consequently even thrown out. Um, And this is how I viewed it, or at least how I was taught to view it for much of my spiritual life. I deemed uh, such prayer and liturgy as too rote, very traditional, uh, and quite frankly, I thought it was wrong. Like, it just wasn't the way you should do church and faith. I thought it lacked passion and energy, which in my book translated to, well, it wasn't really spiritual at all. But when faith and church stopped working for me, when my prayer life became stagnant, when I didn't know what to pray, uh, when I felt pretty numb in church services— It was fixed hour prayer and the liturgy, no joke, that absolutely revived my soul. Almost every time it brought tears to my eyes. It gave me the words I knew I needed to pray but didn't have the words for it. It changed how I viewed and experienced church gatherings. And it made me so much more appreciative of church history, the global faith community, and uh, the breath that is the Christian church. Now, if you're Catholic, uh, Orthodox, Episcopalian, for instance, this stuff is in your DNA. I mean, this is your tradition. If you're uh, Muslim or Jewish, again, you experience something pretty core within your faith tradition as well. Now, for some of you, this might be brand new, um, but it's my hope uh, that it continues to bring spiritual vitality wherever you find yourself. So first, I'll share a bit about fixed hour prayer, and then I'm going to tie that into liturgy, uh, and hopefully we get an episode out of this. So fixed hour prayer is also known as the daily office. Uh, It's pausing to pray throughout our day at regular intervals. Usually it's in the morning, uh, again around lunch, early evening, or post-work, before bed, and some traditions have it throughout the middle of the night as well. 
Uh, during this type of prayer, often you utilize some sort of prayer book. That could be the Book of Common Prayer, the Divine Hours, there's countless others. And these books of prayer lead you through psalms and scripture readings and hymns and prayers for each office or each uh, prayer section of the day. Now, fixed hour prayer is, is ancient, yet for many of us, it can be a new way to pray. When we practice fixed hour prayer, we are actually returning to ancient practices and the foundation within our tradition. If you know the author Phyllis Tickle, she's created this incredible resource called The Divine Hours. Uh, it's what I use, and I'll, uh, this is in the show notes if you want to link to it. She says that fixed hour prayer is one of the most ancient forms of Christian spiritual practices, having its roots in Judaism, out of which Christianity came. And you see throughout scripture as well, psalms of people praying multiple times a day. Um, Jesus uh, prayed multiple times a day at the temple. So this is part of our tradition. And I think many of us in the evangelical world have veered away from this practice and this tradition. And what I love about fixed hour prayer and what I've learned to love about it is that it is a communal practice that it connects us to literally millions of other people who have prayed these same prayers, that are praying these same prayers right now. Uh, it gives us words we didn't know we could pray, and it reminds us that our prayers don't need to be spontaneous, uh, that they don't need to be thought up of on our own, but they can be read with great meaning, and somehow these words, these ancient words, can literally um, penetrate um, our, our deepest parts of our soul. And it forces us uh, to stop the rush of the day, that it forces us to pause, uh, to step, to stop what we're supposed to be doing, uh, and to center ourselves, and to focus upon the divine. Uh, and that's been a rhythm that's been pretty incredible in, in my life, especially as someone who loves to get work done, someone who loves to get his tasks checked off a to-do list, pausing to say, my task list isn't as important as this right now. As it was defined to me once at a conference, uh, fixed hour prayer is, uh, quote, a cascading of prayer, giving God praise hour by hour through each time zone that transcends all differences and is utterly unified at a personal, corporate, and cosmic level. Ooh, that's like a big quote. But my experience with uh, fixed hour prayer, it's truly been it's been a fresher breath of air for me. Uh, it's something I refused to try because I thought it was too rote and too traditional, but something that became absolutely essential to my spiritual life. As I mentioned before, there came a time in my life when the spiritual life simply wasn't working anymore, and especially prayer. Uh, prayer at the time was sporadic or self-centered. I prayed because it was part of my job, or people saw me as a pastor and they're like, Pastor, pray. Um, but in all honesty, I lacked the words to pray. I lacked a passion to pray. Um, it felt like the spontaneous prayers that I should be good at as a, as a Protestant Christian, just nothing came. Or it was the same prayers I prayed all the time. And, and prayer didn't become or wasn't really a regular part of my day or routine. I mean, there were times where I'd think, huh, did I pray today? Or did I pray uh, this morning? I almost got to the point where prayer seemed like, well, what's the point, really? I mean, is anything happening? I don't really know what to pray. I'm not sure if it's making a difference. And these were some of the questions that I know so many Christians ask when it comes to prayer. 
Now, that's not to say prayer has always been that way. Um, There have been many profound and pretty mysterious prayer experiences in my life. But in this particular season, uh, I lacked the words to pray. I lacked a passion to pray, and I lacked a belief that uh, prayer was worth my time, you could say. And so I sensed I needed something deeper, uh, something that would bring me uh, to experience prayer in a new way, uh, in a different way, in a way that was much more profound and connected me to the divine in ways that I hadn't experienced before. And this is how I found Fixed Hour Prayer. Um, Or you could say, this is how Fixed Hour Prayer found me. I mean, a lot of these practices, if you've been listening, that's what happened. These prayers and these practices found me at a time when I didn't know what else to do. And so I was introduced to a, a really small book called Hour by Hour, and it is linked in the show notes as well. And I was challenged to pray Uh, at fixed times throughout my day. Um, An hour by hour has short prayers for the morning, for midday around lunch, evening, so maybe four, five, six o'clock, and compline right before you go to bed. And it's got this pattern for each day of the week. One of the first times I did it, I was laying in bed, uh, about to to go to sleep, and I prayed through the compline office. And as I read these ancient prayers... And as I read these psalms out loud, I just started to cry. I mean, overwhelmed with emotions, uh, to the point where I couldn't even speak them out loud. And the prayers I I was trying to read out loud through these tears were prayers that my soul was longing to pray. It was like I didn't have the words until I read them, that that is what I needed to pray. Um, it, It was as if I found what I had always hoped I would pray. And there they were in this tiny little book all along. Um, And it was profound to know that these desires and passions that I deep down had for the divine and for my life and for my faith uh, were there in these written words that for so long I thought were too rote or too traditional or too old or lacked passion, and I was completely wrong. It was as if I was discovering and I was witnessing a language that my soul knew how to speak all along, uh, but I couldn't translate it, if that makes sense. It was as if like deep within me, I had these desires that I just, uh, that had been trying to bubble out and get out, but I didn't have the words or the ways to express them. And, and I was somewhat shocked that these were these written prayers, just words on a page, I viewed them as traditional prayers, but they were drenched with passion. They were full of energy. They were bursting with truth. Uh, and, and these were the prayers that I needed to pray all along. And as I read these prayers day in and day out, I mean, I, I stuck with this hard for a while. Uh, I found that actually after only a few weeks, some of these prayers I had them memorized, uh, that I could pray them at other times of, of my day. Or as I was doing the, the that daily office, um, Because I had them memorized, I could focus in more on them because I wasn't simply reciting them or trying to read the words, but I was more able to embody uh, these these prayers. And as I said before, I also found it uh, connected me to a larger community that I knew somewhere at the same time, somewhere else, someone else was praying these same prayers. And so I felt less alone. I felt a as if my faith was less individualistic, and it was much more communal. 
it reminded me of the expansive nature of this faith um, and the expansive nature and inclusive nature of these prayers. And Fix Our Prayer uh, forced me, as I said before, to stop what I was doing, the task that I was so focused on completing, and to pause to focus on God. In essence, it, it forced me to reorder my entire day. And since I've been doing this for a while, I feel a difference in my day when, when I do or don't do fixed hour prayer. Uh, just as I, I spoke about this when, I did, when we talked about centering prayer, but I could feel a tangible difference. When I do fixed hour prayer and centering prayer as well, my day is more settled. Uh, I, I go at an easier pace. Even if it's a busy or stressful day at work, lots of things to do, I, I sense and I feel less rushed. And I have a sense of calm as I go throughout my day. Um, finally, one of, one of my favorite reasons why um, I love Fixed Hour Prayer is I saw how it impacted my son. When I started doing Fixed Hour Prayer, I was home uh, a lot watching my son, who was only um, a few years old at the time. And any cross my son sees, uh, he, even some T's, uh, he calls them amen crosses. That's his thing. He knows them as amen crosses. And on the front of one of the prayer books I had uh, was a gold cross. And he would often see me get out this book, and then he would say, oh, that's Dada's amen cross. And he sat silent as I read through the prayers out loud. It was as if, this is crazy, it was as if he knew what to do without me teaching him. I never taught him to be quiet. I never said, I'm going to pray now. I never said, okay, fold your hands, let's be quiet, let's pray. I, I never told him I was praying. I simply opened the book, and I spoke these prayers out loud. And then at the end, he would join with me, and together we would say, Amen. Adorable, I know. <laughs> but it's somewhat profound. And I think the mystery of faith, that little ones can easily grasp what we older ones have yet to understand. So fixed our prayer. It gives me the words and the prayers that I've longed to say and longed to pray, but didn't have the words to do so. And it continues to be a rhythm of my day that brings me calm, that brings me peace, that brings a sense of depth to my day. Now, at the same time as I was discovering fixed hour prayer, I also just start, started to discover liturgy. Uh, at its essence, liturgy means the work of the people. Some say it can be translated worship. Others say it can be translated as service. Some would say that it's translated as both, both worship and service. But most often, liturgy is used uh, to describe basically the, the organization of a church service, of a worship gathering, the, the rituals, the songs, the traditions, and the structure of the service. Some churches have a very formal or traditional worship, right? Uh, you would say this could be many Catholic churches or Episcopalian churches, while others are very informal or contemporary uh, liturgies. But for instance, so, um, and more contemporary ones would be non-denominational churches, evangelical churches might follow a more uh, informal lit liturgy. But every church, regardless of where you go, whether you think it's a liturgical church or not, every church follows a liturgy of some sort because that's part of a church service, is liturgy. Now, at some point in my spiritual journey, uh, even though I was raised in a church that was a, had a very formal liturgy, I eventually came to a belief, probably because I attended a Baptist church or something like that, uh, that liturgy was too rote, that it was too traditional, that it was out of touch, that it was void of spiritual fervor and passion. 
And so I settled in churches with an informal liturgy, which, to be honest, I thought that was the better and the right way. And I stayed clear from formal church church services, thinking they were wrong and boring and um, dying, Um, similar to my views on fixed hour and written prayers. And again, I was so wrong. Church is so much better than that conversation and that debate. Now, it's no joke. I I love me some good gospel music and some worship. I love me a nice long sermon. Don't get me wrong. I like that style of church. But the more time I spent in some contemporary churches, the more I felt like I had to feel it or feeling it, you know, was the way you knew the spirit was there and it was a a good service. I mean, I even heard worship leaders and and others say, oh, that was a good service. I, I, I think the spirit was here today. But some Sundays, mind you, and not all, but some Sundays I'm not feeling it. I don't know about you, but some Sundays I just want to stay at home in my pajamas and I want to visit Bedside Baptist and Pillow Presbyterian and Snoozing Synagogue and Under the Covers United Methodist. Ooh, that was a good one. Um, That's just real. Some Sundays I don't have the energy to clap my hands and sing songs and think God was so great um, that I should shout it from the rooftops. Um, And sometimes I wasn't sure if a good service was the sole determinant of whether spirit was there. there. There had to be something different. And not feeling it in actually compelled me to love the liturgy. Recently, my family and I started attending an Episcopal church. We were looking for an inclusive church with a woman pastor. And so in in a new city that we moved to, which boasts over 400 churches, a woman pastor narrows that search from 400 down to about five, five and a half. Uh, So real easy to find a church that way. Uh, But what we discovered in this church is depth and beauty and richness and symbolism and mystery. Something, some of those things we never found in contemporary churches with a more informal liturgy. And so what I have found is that liturgy isn't too rote, especially traditional liturgy. It's not, it's not too rote. It's not too formulaic. It doesn't last black passion. It's not void of spiritual fervor. Instead, I found it to be mysteriously mindful, refreshingly remarkable, strongly spiritual, actually, and deeply theological. And so the liturgy for me is is what I need when I'm not feeling it. It's exactly what I need no matter how I'm feeling, actually, because it's the language of my soul. It can give voice to my soul's deepest longings and desires for the divine. So when I don't feel it and I'm in this type of service, I say the prayers of my ancestors rather than having to make them up on my own or feel it in the moment and, and start praying extemporaneously. I pray those who have gone before me and I write and I recite the words that Jesus instructed us to pray. I affirm the ancient creeds um, that, that have become a true foundation of my faith, the, the truths of our faith. I confess my sins corporately and I hear from a priest the absolution of those sins. And I connect myself to a global church to sisters and brothers around the globe as we are saying the same prayers and reciting the same words and listening to the same scriptures be read. And I listen to a sermon, like a short sermon, 
that actually preaches more because I think it's saying less, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like sometimes have you ever experienced a sermon that was so long that where like the more the preacher preaches, the more you're confused that he's actually saying anything at all? Does that make sense? So it's so refreshing to hear homilies that preach so much more because they're using less words. That they're not going on diatribes. They're, they're staying faithful to the text and preaching. And what the thing is, the sermon isn't the main thing. The homily isn't the main thing. There's something that's greater than the main thing. And I stand in awe also of the symbolism that drenches the entire service. It gives it more meaning than I ever could imagine. Whether that's uh, the way the scripture is read, what being read in the center of the church service, whether that's why crosses are covered with uh, um, fabric during certain times of the years, the colors that uh, are over the altar all have meaning and a deep theological symbolism. And, and communion, when I partake of communion, when I am invited to come forward, I partake of the ultimate mystery, the sacrament that the whole service is pointing to. It's not the homily. The whole service is pointing to a sermon within its, uh, within, or I'm sorry, communion is a sermon within itself. And that sermon preaches better than the best preacher could ever preach. And so without fail, when I am at these services with a, litur- a traditional liturgy, there is a moment in every service where it, Seriously, both my wife and I, we are overcome with emotion. We tear up. It might be a prayer. It might be a confession. Or we find ourselves in awe of the mystery of the divine, the richness of the prayers, the beauty of the music, and the way spirit works to transform us through these ancient words, ancient prayers, and ancient structure. It's been utterly refreshing and uh, a sense of, I can't speak, revitalization uh, to to my whole soul and life. So the liturgy moves me from not feeling it to saying, affirming, believing, and finally living it. It forms me and molds me and ultimately transforms me. I mean, all that rhyming, holy cow, that just rhymed a lot. And the most mysterious thing about the liturgy I've found is that we don't simply participate in the liturgy. We do not simply do the liturgy because that's what the bulletin says and that's what we do in church. But the liturgy is done to us. The liturgy is a tool that opens us up to the presence of the divine. I don't know about you, but I need the liturgy. I need fixed hour prayer, whether I'm feeling it or not, because it opens me up to the divine. And through those words, through those prayers, through those structures, I can get a glimpse of the, the, of the divine, whether I'm ready for it or not, whether I'm feeling it or not, whether uh, I think the spirit is here or not, whether I am all wide awake or need six more cups of coffee. Uh, and that God will surprise me during the liturgy, that there will be moments where out of the blue, I, I feel God's presence. I uh, hear a truth that evokes emotion within me. It, it's beautiful. So I'm convinced these are essential ancient practices for our continued transformation today. Uh, this is why I'm convinced that all of these ancient and contemplative practices will be things that God uses to revive our faith and heal our souls and transform our lives. If you're someone who hasn't experienced fixed hour prayer, 
uh, or if you've heard the message that it's too rote or too traditional, I do invite you to try it and experiment with it. Now, there's no doubt uh, I love fixed hour prayer and I love uh, the liturgy. And yet at the same time, I love extemporaneous prayer uh, and I love contemporary worship and church services. So this hasn't drawn me away from one style. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a, I used to hate traditional worship because I'm a, I love contemporary worship, but now I'm back to traditional worship and now I hate contemporary worship. Now this is what this has done is it's allowed me to see the beauty that is within all of these traditions and styles. And I'm going to talk about uh, more about that in an upcoming episode as well. But this, if you haven't experienced fixed hour prayer, I do encourage you to uh, try it uh, because it is essential and foundational to our faith. So if you haven't gotten a copy, just pick up a copy of Hour by Hour or Phyllis Tickle's Divine Hours. Even the, they have a pocket edition, she calls it, um, and that's a great um, resource. They're, they're simple, they're introductory on ways to do fixed hour prayer. If you want to expand on that, then you can get um, Phyllis Tickle's full set of the Divine Hours, or you can even move on to the classic, The Book of Common Prayer. Um, all of these are really great, but what I love about Hour by Hour and Divine Hours, um, they lay all the prayers out for you, so you don't have to flip back and forth between different pages or different prayers or a Bible and a prayer book. You can just read through these prayers, say them out loud, uh, and do them throughout your day. Again, there are four times, morning, midday, evening, and compline. For me, I, I would say the morning and the midday are easiest for me because I often do them while I'm at work. So the first thing I do in my, when I get to my office is I do a morning uh, prayer. Uh, at lunch, uh, before I eat lunch or after I eat lunch, I always do a midday prayer. Before I leave the office, whether it's not too crazy and stressful, I try to do the evening prayer. That one, to be honest, that, that can be hectic when I'm leaving the office and trying to get home to be with my family. And then compline is you can do that as you lay in bed um, and uh, right before you're ready to retire for the evening. I would encourage you just to try a couple offices, um, maybe two or three throughout the day, and try it for a few weeks. Then if you need to, you can always add an additional one or two as you feel led or do all four um, or do a different type of prayer book. As for liturgy, uh, just check out a couple churches. If you're not used to formal liturgy, don't judge it. Uh, instead, simply try to experience it. Let the liturgy be done to you. Look for the symbolism. Look for the mystery. Um, look at what is on the altar and the colors and why they say what they say um, and uh, experience it. Go and dive into it. And if you're more uh, traditional, go to a contemporary service and see that liturgy. What is different? What, what can it do to you? Uh, if you experience with this, experiment with this, I'd love to see how it goes. So reach out to me on social media, um, or you can find my contact via my website, nathanalbert.com. But I would love to learn how this has impacted you, uh, what you're learning, what you're experiencing, what questions you have. Um, again, reach out. I'd be more than willing to address that. Um, hey, maybe I could even do like a Q&A with my listeners. Um, so yeah, if you have questions, um, let me know, and I would love to answer those as well. If you haven't reviewed this podcast on iTunes, please could you do that? It's real simple. Just go into iTunes, take a minute, press the number of stars, uh, write a sentence or two review. Again, that helps uh, iTunes push the podcast to more people so more people can find it and listen. 
And again, if you wouldn't mind, share this podcast in your circles, whether that's on social media or word of mouth. Um, I need your help to get this podcast to six million thousands of people. Not really, but maybe like two more. That would be great. But again, spread that, spread this word around. You can find more links and stuff in the show notes um, if you want more resources on Fixed Hour Prayer and Liturgy. And as you experience these ancient practices of Fixed Hour Prayer and Liturgy, may you have peace, may you have calm, and may you 